Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. We're watching Doctor Who again. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I'm depressed. Okay. We watched the last two episodes of the Daleks Master Plan. Yeah, you know, the the end of um, the Mythmakers, yeah, I thought that was dark, but that's got nothing on this. I didn't really remember very well from listening to it the first time. Bleh. I just feel bleh. Welcome to the John Wiles era. <laughs> Boo. Uh, no spoilers, but... Um, I will say that the next four weeks of Doctor Who don't exactly lighten the mood. Is it the massacre next? It's the massacre next. Uh, I've not been looking forward to this. I don't know very much about it, but I do know that Deb, uh, her feelings about it are that it's historical voyeurism in the most uncomfortable and (laughs) depressing sort of way. So I'll, I'll brace myself for that. It's heavy. Hmm, great. Just like this is kind of heavy, right? Mm -hmm. We lose the Daleks, we lose uh, most of Kemble, we lose Sarah Kingdom, lose Mavic Chen. Okay, so there's a bright spot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Kevin Stoney really went for it those last two episodes. I mean, he just, he went from obnoxious, pompous, self-important blowhard who really wasn't as smart as he thought he was to all of those things plus being completely over-the-top, just bonkers, uh, just mad. And yeah, I mean, before he got to the point where he was just totally cuckoo banana pants when he was locked up with everybody else, I was just rolling my eyes at everything he said. He says his name an awful lot. I, Mavic Chen, he has to say his name. Just like in case yeah. you don't don't in case you don't already know. Uh so I was just I was so ready to see him get his comeuppance. And then I felt like I felt like it was maybe I don't know, maybe maybe he just sort of broke. Something inside him snapped because it seemed like kind of a rather abrupt change to go from that to being just absolutely deluded. I mean, I guess he was kind of deluded before that, but yeah, that wasn't that wasn't all that much fun to listen to either. So it was it was fun watching him, well, watching the reconstruction of him getting his comeuppance. So it was, it was nice to see that. I uh, equated him during the time that we watched that there that the other delegates like Salation and the other crazy guys were basically other um, Republican. Uh, prospective nominees like Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz and all that and they all were turning against him and then he tricked them basically and they all ran off on their own and then he became the demagogue in a way and thought he could make deals with everyone and then um, underestimated the Daleks aka Vladimir Putin and the Russians (laughs) and then was paid in kind Whereas I just said that he's basically the Graf Vindicke, but not quite as entertaining. No one <laughs> is as entertaining as the Graf Vindicke and lives. <laughs> very good. Very good. Thank you for not disappointing me there. That's the only Graf Vindicke line I will utter tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you are happy to hear that. I appreciate that. It's been, Yeah, it's, it, this has been rough. I, I can't handle the, the yelling right now. But, boy, I can't wait until we get to the rebus operation. That's so many years in the future. It's a long time away. Um, 
So episode eleven, let's talk about this. Uh, notice that the like the last two thirds of the episode, um, the doctor disappears. Yeah, he literally disappears, and Stephen and uh, and Sarah can't find him. What what's the deal with that? Because I can tell from the look on your face that there's a deal with that. Yes, and I'd like to know what it is. Really, it's a mystery. Oh. Uh, I think a lot of people have pinned it down to not health, which is like, oh, he probably got ill, but he doesn't seem unwell in the TARDIS scenes that he's there. It's only once they leave the TARDIS that he's, you know, he's not happy. Um, you know, and, and you could tell that there's no, there's no different story thrust with Stephen and Sarah going off. They're basically just talking and all the doctor's lines more or less are given to Stephen at this point. Okay, well, well so you... I think you you buried the lead there. Yeah. So the doctor was supposed to be in the rest of that. The original script had lines for the doctor and stuff. Okay, that is an important piece of information that we should probably share yeah. with me and the listeners. Sorry. <laughs> okay, you got ahead of yourself that's, there. Okay, that, continue. Yeah. continue. That's, that's what I'm getting to. Is that he wasn't he was he was not unwell. He wasn't a holiday. He wasn't sick all of a sudden. Um, but usually when they go from TARDIS to outside of the TARDIS. Usually that constitutes a recording break because they have to move across the different part of the studio. This is around the same time that he and John Wilde's producer were not getting along at all. Blazing rows in the studio. Like, it was very nasty. And um, I'm, I'm curious because that episode... That's what I was looking at my iPad, by the way. Mm-hmm. I interviewed um, James Carey Smith, who who wrote a superb book about the making of The Massacre, which is the story after this course, um, called The Massacre. It's from the Black Archive. I do recommend it if you want to look it up. And, and he said that, um, I can't remember where I was going with that, but it was along the same lines. But at, at the same day that they recorded episode 11, they recorded film inserts for the next episode, um, which was bungled because that um, location shooting needed the TARDIS. They only have one TARDIS at this point. So I don't know if you've seen pictures of, of uh, the press call for for Dodo, spoiler alert, and the new companion Dodo, standing next to a very ramshackle-looking TARDIS because I thought I was like some weird fan TARDIS or something mm-hmm. done up for the... No, it was actually the TARDIS that we used in that. So like, because the real TARDIS is being used in the studio at the same time. So production was nuts at this time. But the day before that, January 6th, William Hartnell was also shooting film inserts, one brief scene in Ealing Film Studios for the massacre as well. So he wasn't sick. My guess, this is my my hunch that I'm more or less thought of right now, that basically during the recording of the episode, I think he stormed off. Mm -hmm. And they basically had to hurriedly rewrite everything and give Stephen the lines and basically shoot the rest of the episode without him. That's my guess. I don't know how much based in fact that is, but like no one really has a concrete explanation 50 years later. Has anybody asked like Peter Purvis or Gene Marsh about this? I don't know if they know specifically. Yeah. I mean, they might not necessarily know details, but Mm -hmm. I would, I'm just wondering, has anybody asked them about what their experience was of doing this story and, you know, what they witnessed from their side of it? Because obviously they know that they got a bunch of lines they weren't supposed to have to start with. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if the specifics are lost to time. It was 50 years ago for them too. You know, they don't necessarily have remembered. I'd like to ask Peter Purvis, you know, specifically mm-hmm. about 
<laughs> tell me, Peter, tell us about an episode that we've never seen or you have ever seen and tell us how it was made 50 years ago and see what kind of answer you would get. But yeah. I don't know. It seems like, you know, prob- I cannot completely understand if he doesn't remember anything about that. But the idea that, you know, he was an actor for a while, but he mostly went on to become a presenter um, for for most of his life. Mm-hmm. And if during your brief career, like, you know, you probably don't remember everything, but you remember little bits here and there. I feel like one of the bits that might stick out is the day that, oh my God, the lead in the show that I'm in suddenly disappeared. And now I have to take a whole bunch of his extra lines. Like, I just, I feel like that might be a, uh, an adrenaline filled day that, that might stick. Maybe also, I mean, I don't think it was, you know, he's, he's had to sort of carry the action before like in the time meddler when he's when he was on vacation basically you know he might have like inflated that time when he wasn't there with this time Mm -hmm. also just the way the tv was made in those days once a week oftentimes things were sort of changed you know if you get a script on the monday sometimes by thursday it might have been changed by the time you go in front of the camera so this you know him all of a sudden taking on a bunch of lines might not have necessarily been a unique thing i suppose and i suppose maybe he uh, and Jean Marsh wouldn't have even known that the doctor disappeared. I mean, they, I suppose they could have been told anything. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Uh, uh, um, anything else about this depressing 50 minutes of television? Um, um, the death scene from, from Sarah Kingdom, very sad. Yeah, and she died because she didn't listen to the doctor. It's just, it's, that's, that's very frustrating. If she would have, you know, she hadn't, she hadn't actually been with him long enough to learn to trust the doctor and do what he said. I mean, not that all the doctor's companions ever did that in the first Mm -hmm. place, but it is, it is very frustrating to see someone be headstrong and then die because of it. That's, that is depressing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting too that, you know, we saw Stephen being headstrong and disobeying the doctor earlier in this story and... You know, he while he succeeded, he sort of got his comeuppance a little bit. Um, so I wonder if that character-wise led to him paying more attention to the doctor and doing what the doctor said. Or if it's just because he's been hanging out with the doctor long enough to know, you know, when he's when he's really serious about stuff. Yeah. And he was. The doctor says, no, no arguments sort of thing. Get back to the TARDIS right away. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I liked Peter Purvis in that last scene, actually. He was very very sad you know the doctor was kind of like trying to not laugh it off but sort of lighten the mood a little bit and sort of mm-hmm. but he was very no you know brett katarina sarah yeah yeah all of them god this is bleak yeah and the planet kimball the planet kimball i don't necessarily i mean i enjoy this era i enjoy all eras of doctor who because i am an easy to please fan but I'm most intrigued by this time in Doctor Who, just because of all the different things that were going on behind the scenes of production. And you almost want to think that, you know, that blow up or the blow ups that Hartnell had with with John Wiles were perhaps the beginning of the end and then that, you know, Wiles wanted rid of him. Um and that sort of attitude carried on immediately after he was replaced as producer, um, right around now-ish in the time of the show. So this, uh, this that little moment perhaps spurred on the concept of regeneration, <laughs> which is why the show exists today. 
Wow, I guess I'm even more pleased that this episode happened uh, than if that's the case. Hooray for the Daleks master plan for making Doctor Who, that, which actually that kind of means that the Daleks saved the show twice. Because, you know, the, the Daleks, the, the first time, saved, mm-hmm. saved the show, made it so that it could continue. And this Dalek story possibly made it the show that it is now. Could be. Mm-hmm. Could be. <laughs> Anything else? Doc's master plan. There's twelve. There's twelve episodes. We have, we uh, we didn't podcast for a month, but this time we actually said that it's going to be a very busy month, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't be podcasts. But here we are now because it's the eve of Edmonton Expo. We're going to go to Edmonton Expo on Saturday, mm-hmm. and be on a panel, talk about the Steve Moffat ears, and wander around to look at things and stuff. Um, and so convention weekends always seem to bring out podcast recording weekends. Specifically, you know, nerding, Doctor Who. We're going to talk about Doctor Who on a panel tomorrow, so it did seem to make sense to watch some tonight, get in the mood. That's true. Did we, I can't even remember now, it's been so long since we recorded Mm -hmm. that I don't remember when the last episode was and whether or not it was before or after we heard that the power of the Daleks was going to be animated and released on November 5th. We certainly didn't talk about it on our episode. We didn't. No. Okay, good. Then we can talk about it now a little bit because okay. we've uh, we we mooted on Twitter um, whether which version we were going to watch and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I asked you, would you, if, would you want to watch the animated one or the, in my opinion, very good <clears throat> and very unique MP3 CD? The only one they released was for Power of the Daleks. It's a very good official reconstruction with telesnaps and narration from Annika Wills. And which one did you choose that you think we should watch? It wasn't even a question. This is a very easy one. I do not want to watch the animation for this. I want to watch the uh, the, the telesnap reconstruction with the linking narration. Hands down. How come? Because I, you know, this is the first time I will be experiencing this story. And we're going through so that I can, you know, fill in the gaps in my Doctor Who knowledge. If we watch an animated version of this, I'm not actually seeing anything of what exists of this story. And I, I'm not the type of viewer who needs the moving pictures in order to pay attention. Like, this is this is a task we have taken on and we're going through and we're going to watch all of it, reconstructions and everything. So while I'm glad that there is an animation for people who want to watch that sort of thing, and I will certainly watch it at some point, um, it, that holds no interest for me in terms of the sort of fanthropology of going back and learning about Doctor Who. I, I want to see Patrick Troughton. I don't want to see somebody's you know drawn version of him like you know if i want that i'll (laughs) read comic books or something and like i said eventually i'll watch it but this is i feel like i would be missing all of the extant information that i could be gleaning about this story you make a very good point about you know all six episodes of this are are being animated and therefore you don't see any original looking thing or as opposed to like the invasion of reign of terror or the moon base Mm -hmm. we there are already existing episodes that we can help fill in the gaps yes that was the thing i thought of actually after you after you asked me about that because yes i have watched the invasion and i've watched the animated bits of the invasion and i was fine with that because i saw the episodes that existed so i was able to see this is what the brigadier or the 
was he the brigadier or the colonel at that time? He was the brigadier in the invasion. Okay. So I could see what the brigadier, you know, looked like and was dressed like and moved like and, and spoke like. And same thing with the rest of the characters and the sets and all that kind of stuff. So the I didn't feel like I needed a telesnap recon of those episodes because I already had in my head sort of what what was going on there. Mm-hmm. So in this case, yes, all six episodes, there's there's nothing. Um, and that's just not good enough for me, frankly. No, and there are some moving clips um, from that story. Oh. Just a few seconds here and there, but still, there are two or three impressive clips that exist actually that are that will be kind of neat to see in live action when we get to it, of course. Mm-hmm. So I, I have no idea what the plan is for you know our other Doctor Who podcasts. I assume you'll be watching and talking about it for Radio Free Scarrow. Mm-hmm. I might watch it with you at that point. I don't know. I might watch it uh, for Verity. I have no idea if that's a thing that we're going to do or not. Um, yeah, when it comes time for that, depending on where we are in Lazy Doctor Who, if we haven't gotten to the point where we watched Power of the Daleks yet... I will have to decide, how do I want to see it first? Am I okay watching it for the first time animated? Am I okay watching it just waiting? I don't know. So I'm going to have some some decisions to make, perhaps. We, we've we got 32 episodes of Doctor Who to get to before we get to Power of the Daleks. It's not looking good. Yeah. So, so it, as it turns out, I might actually watch the animated version first and then watch... With what is what's wrong with that? I well, I want you to watch the recon version now first. After after your your very excellent point, so now I feel like it's almost <laughs> a mission. No, we don't have missions on this show. <laughs> That's wrong. We're lazy. And no, my my points about about seeing all of those things are, you know, for me as a Doctor Who fan and for the podcast I don't necessarily feel like that needs to be the very first way that I experience it I just need it just it needs to be the way that I experience it for this podcast because we're talking about the story Mm -hmm. on this podcast and as much of the original production as we possibly can if we were to watch the animated version for this podcast yeah we could still talk about the story the script but we wouldn't be able to talk about you know, any anything that we talked about the animation would be something that's very, very recent as opposed to the actual putting together of it from back in those days. So, I mean, maybe it's actually a good thing to watch the animated version first and then do the recon with you later so that we can talk about both and compare. Maybe we should watch episode one of the Telesnap one and the rest in animated. Uh, maybe. Because then you'd see every, what had everything more or less mm-hmm. looks like that you will probably see throughout the course of the story. It's an idea. Mm-hmm. This is how we plan on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's not so much planning as just throwing ideas <laughs> out there and being like, eh, I don't know. That's that's how we do it. We're lazy. Yeah, we are a spreadsheet-free mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. We sure are. Mm. Although, speaking of planning, I can't remember if we mentioned that we... Uh, and speaking of conventions, that we there's another convention we're going to be at. Um, I think we did mention it, but screw it, I'm mentioning it again. Do it again. Uh, we're going to be at the Now Hear This Festival in Anaheim the last weekend of October, over Halloween weekend. Uh, the Incomparable, our our wonderful parent network, uh, is going to be there, a bunch of people from The Incomparable. So we are going to be there too, and there's going to be an Incomparable panel on the Saturday. Yes. I don't remember what time. There is no time yet as of recording. Okay, well, good, then I feel better about not remembering 
what the time is. Uh, so yeah, if you happen to be in the Anaheim area at the end of October, please come to the come to the convention. See us. Say hi. If you obviously, if you're listening to this, you're a Doctor Who fan, so it would be nice to to geek out about Doctor Who at a podcast because you know at, at Doctor Who conventions we can do that anytime we want. At a podcast convention, I suspect that there won't be very many people there that can deep dive Doctor Who with us. I mean, except Jason from the Incomparable, but he'll be busy with other things, I'm sure. Yeah, because he's the leader. That's our parent network, mm-hmm. the Incomparable being there. So like this almost feels like an unofficial, semi-official podcast uh, convention appearance by lazy doctor who it's a lazy doctor who semi-official field trip field trip i like that (laughs) idea not a convention a field trip Mm -hmm. bring your bag lunch and juice boxes Mm -hmm. juice box okay so we're done here then so uh at the end of all that um we probably won't get to power the Daleks by the time it comes out Mm -hmm. although it's coming out in drips and drabs it's coming it's starting on november the 5th and i think in the UK, at the very least, every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, mm-hmm. episodes two through six come out on the BBC store. Um, BBC America is broadcasting on November 12th. They sure as hell ain't broadcasting class, I tell you that. <laughs> and then I think it's coming out on DVD in the U in the UK on the 20th, but I don't know when it's coming out on DVD in North America. So this might all even hinge on when we can actually see the damn thing too. Everything's up in the air. I throw up my hands. We'll, we'll get to stuff when we get to stuff and that's the way it's going to be. Season three marathon coming up for October where we watch one episode a day until we get to <laughs> Power of the Daleks. No. Probably not. But hey, you never know. Anything's possible on this podcast. It's very true. Mm-hmm. We never plan. Okay. We done? Yeah, I think we're done. I'm, I'm a little cheered up now talking about Ooh. animation and juice boxes and conventions and stuff. Oh, very good. Good. Then we'll, we'll uh, resume Lady Doctor Who with the comedy romp that is the Massacre of St. <laughs> Bartholomew's Eve on our next episode. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.